Good stuff, huh? Come on, can we give God just a praise right now? Thank Him for that wonderful time of worship. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. If you're not awake now, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if you're looking for a little more timely service, that's for the 9 a.m. crowd. And uh, this one, we like to just let go a little bit. Ever since that movie Frozen, we just want to let it go. Come on, somebody. All right, stupid joke. Dad joke. Anyways, um, how many are enjoying the, ser- the uh, sermon series that we're doing, the equipping? Come on, you've been with us for the last... Oh, I'm glad for those four golf claps and different sections. Wow, we're off to a really good start here, guys. All right. So this is part four of the equipping. Now, who da- if you didn't download the app, um, I'm not going to say shame on you, but uh, I'll say something else. Salvation to you. Um, we are going to be going through... And you're, you, if you'd like to follow along in the app, if you just, on the homepage, you click on sermon notes, or it's also under uh, equipping uh, resources on the bottom right, and you can actually follow along, fill in the blank sermon title, take your own notes, and then save the notes to your phone or share them with someone who really needs to hear the word that didn't come to church with you today. Amen. So uh, please follow along if you would, and it's a good way to stay engaged, and uh, and you can take notes on your phone. So even if you want to be on Facebook the entire time I'm preaching, it'll look like you're on the app taking notes. So if you want to look spiritual, then uh, you can do that too. Amen. <laughs> All right. So um, John, uh, actually, you know, before we go there, I'm going to be reading out of Ephesians. Now, we've been talking about the gifts that Jesus gives his church. Now, in, in charismatic churches or in churches that believe in the gifts of the Spirit, such as ours, sometimes we only emphasize the gifts of the Spirit, which are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and those are nine gifts, and they're, you know, the gifts that empower us to release something supernatural, a manifestation of something that we, like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, things like that. That's the gifts of the Spirit. But we've been focusing on the gifts of Jesus, and those gifts are people that he equips to be a, a leader to equip others to lead. And these gifts are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And we talked about how those gifts equip the saints. You and I, how many know you're a saint? I I know that you didn't call yourself a saint this week, but how many know the Bible calls us saints? Even though we still occasionally mess up and make mistakes and or sin, it doesn't mean we are sinners. We are saints Come on, being transformed by grace, not just sinners saved by grace. What we were, we shouldn't keep living in. Who we are is what we're created to walk in now, which means we're saints. And so it's important that we understand uh, that we are to be equipped, the saints to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Now, the verse I'm going to just open up with is in Ephesians 4.16. And this is kind of the culmination. I'm going to be a little more teachy today. I might preach at you just a little bit here and there, but uh, we have four things we're going to go through. And uh, in just a moment, I'll give you the title of the sermon, but let's open up with Ephesians 4, 16, and we're going to read it in the New Living Translation. If you don't have the app open, uh, you can check out the screen behind me. It is up there, and the points will be up there too, so I don't have to repeat myself, and you uh, you can write it in your phone. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. 
Now, what is Paul talking about? He's talking about the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We not just individually are God's temple. How many know that as Christians, the Holy Spirit indwells us? But not only are we individually temples, but corporately we're the temple. So as we're worshiping today, how many experience the presence of God, the manifest presence of God? That's because God is fitly framing us together to be his temple, his dwelling place corporately. Now here's what you're gonna see happen. The presence of God will continue to increase more and more and more and more in the next few decades up until the physical return of Jesus, we will experience more and more and more of his glory, his presence. And, and this is what's happening is we are becoming the temple corporately. And this is what Paul's talking about. He makes the body fit together. What does that mean? He helps us love. He equips us to do relationship right. Come on, somebody. He actually, God empowers that. The God empowers us uh, to do church, to be community, to be who crea he created us to be. And here's what he says. He says, as each part does its own special work. How many know that you are a member of the body and you are significant and you have a gift to bring? I, I joke around about this, but I'm actually very serious because y'all, some of y'all know I really love food. Some of you look at me, you can tell I love food, especially when I turn to the side. You see that little thing right here on the side? Come on, I'm not four months pregnant. I swear to God, I, come on somebody, I love food. And I talk about the gift of hospitality. It is an underrated gift, but it is probably one of the most powerful gifts. Did you know that? And that is not a gift that you see given credit in a charismatic church, unless you're talking to me. Because if you make me chocolate chip cookies, I will be your friend forever and I will never be offended. You could punch me in the face, but just make me chocolate chip cookies once a week. Come on, somebody. Now, this is... This is in opposition to how we think, though, in our culture, we think that like the only the gifted people are the people that are praying, prophesying, and preaching. But you are significant, and you have a gift to bring the body of Christ. Every single one of you, and it might look different. And it and God always brings our gift out in our flavor. It's attached to who we are. It's attached to our personality. It's attached to our our quality spice. Just what God has put inside of us. But the Bible says, Paul, this is the culmination of, this is what it looks like for the body to be equipped together. We want to be equipped. Now, we talked about that word equip, and you can see it if you're in the app, the Greek word, and how sometimes it's used, uh, it's a word that's a medical term used to setting a bone back in place. Sometimes equipping is not fun. Sometimes it, it's a little painful. And as we discover what God's created us to do, here's what it says. It helps the other parts grow. Your gift is not just for you. Actually, it's not really for you. It's to edify people around you. We're created to build each other up. Now, can you imagine if we're just in a Christian community that like our goal is to edify one another? Now, I know we come to church. Sometimes we need a refreshing. Come on, we come to church. We need to be you know, like I want to hear a good word and I want to be able to apply it to my life. But can you imagine if we came to church, we're like, I just can't wait to encourage somebody else. Yeah. If it was like that, everybody would be encouraged. Instead of a church of like, well, I'm offended that you're offended. Well, I'm offended that you're offended that I'm offended. Well, let's just be offended. We're all offended. How about I'm going to edify you, and you're going to edify me, and then we're going to edify one another, and I'm going to edify sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, and we're all edified. Come on, somebody. 
And a church that says, this is, God has given me something to give it away and serve and love other people. And this is how we should be wired as believers that the life of God we participate in, hear me, is other-centered. It's other-centered. It's not centered on me. We're, we're not, we're not going to dive into this thing called consumerism Christianity. We are called to produce and bear fruit and love extravagantly. Can you say amen? amen. And so it says, as we do that, as we know our gift and we do our part, this also goes into the realm of finances. You know, like church, churches that have people that sow and give, they, they expand and they're able to do what God created them to do because every part does their share. And be, being generous is a part of our nature because God's generous. It's not like, you know, well, you have to tithe. No, you don't have to tithe, but it's a good place to start. It's a good principle. And we encourage people to experience God's generosity by giving and seeing God multiply that. It's reaping and sowing. It's a kingdom principle. But this part, each part does its share, that goes into the realm of our finances. And a lot of people are uh, offended by money, and that's why they need to be really careful that the love of money is not consume their thoughts. Do you know that poverty can dwell, uh, or, or greed and the poverty spirit can dwell in people that have no money just as much as people that have money. People think, well, they're rich, so they're consumed with the love of money. I think people that are poor are more consumed with the love of money. Hmm, interesting. And God wants us to be blessed and overflowing abundantly. We're not this type of church that's gonna, you know, make people feel manipulated to give. But we want you to know who you are so you can participate in radical generosity and see radical blessing flow through, in and through you. So when God blesses you, not only is, is he gonna get you out of debt and, and bless you with things, but so that can overflow into people. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just gonna keep preaching. There are people in your life that need, they need a blessing from God. Like there are people, I, I'll never forget my wife and I, our business is exploding. We're doing really good years ago and, uh, I remember there was a, a brother and a sister, a family that says, we can't pay our mortgage. Like we're just strapped. This and this and this happened. And I'm like, let me pray about it. And I just kind of prayed and hey, I feel like we need to just sow. My wife and I agreed. Um, and, and so we just wrote a check. It was like nothing, $1,400, no problem. Like we, if you know how good that feels to be able to sow into somebody's life in need. And as a church community, I pray that you get a hold of the reality that sometimes, and some people are created as kings to supply finances to the kingdom of God. You know those business guys that whatever they touch turns to gold? That, that is an anointing from God. And they fund missions and they fund, we have a mission trip coming up uh, in June and we're taking our whole family and a team to the Philippines. It's gonna be incredible. We're preaching literally from the inner cities to some of the outer islands. An inner city church that started with about 100 people, it's blown up to 2,000. We're going to be ministering. It is in Tondo, Manila, one of the most impoverished areas. The children live in the dumps. Like, it, and we're going to be able to sow into this church. We're not just going to fly ourselves there and provide our meals in our hotel and minister and be the man and woman of God, although we're going to, we're going to impart what we carry, but we're going to actually sow financially into this ministry. We get to participate in that. 
And there are business guys and gals that God has blessed, and they're like, oh, how much do you need? 15,000? Here you go. The whole thing funded. So we have to understand, this is, God has anointed some people, and each part does its share, and we participate in that. And we need to learn generosity. Wow, that was a long point on the half of this verse. So it says, so the whole body, now here, here's the title of the message this morning. I haven't even got to the title. <laughs> you thought worship was long. Lock the doors. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll breeze through this. Don't worry about it. I got you. It's not football season, though, so baseball season. You know what, Carla? You're so blessed. I love you. God bless you. You know what, Carla? You're my sister from another mystic. Come on, somebody. Are you serious? We have the same, same heavenly father, Jera. Jesus, I love you, but your people need help. Here's what he says. Paul says, so that the body, after he impacts these things, so that the body, say this with me, healthy and growing and full of love. That's the title of the message this morning. Healthy, growing, and full, full of love. This is what God wants. He wants a healthy body. He wants a body that's growing, a body that's healthy grows. And when we talk about that, we're not just talking about us growing, we're talking about the body growing, right? And full of love, being edified in love. Now, the first thing I'm gonna look at here, we're gonna jump to John chapter 21. Now hear me, this is so powerful. I love all the verses in the New Testament that empower us to know that God's equipped us with things. Like, you know, the Bible says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, this is what 1 Peter says. You know, Paul is talking about God has given these gifts to the church to equip the saints. I love that. But let's jump to John 17 and let's look at the prayer of Jesus for us that he prayed the Father would equip us and our lives. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, so we're going to look at John 21. Start at verse 20. Are you all ready? It'll be behind me too. Or uh, you can actually click on the link in your app. It'll go right to the Bible app. Then you can click back to the app to take notes. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for you and I in this verse. He says, not just the ones that are in front of me, but the ones that will, how many believe, has believed the gospel. Jesus is about to pray for us. This is significant. Let's pay close attention to this. Now, here's what he's saying. First of all, point number one, the mature Christian is, number one, equipped to be sons and daughters. Would you say that with me? To be sons and daughters. One of the most foundational things, and this is the message of our house, and you must hear this, hear me. You need to learn to just be. Just be. You don't have to perform for God's love. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to come in here and like, I have 17 prophecies that have come to pass. Check this out. This is my track record. I've led 10,000 people to the Lord. I don't care. Just be. Just be a son. Be a daughter, because that's who you are. And your identity is rooted in the love of God and in your sonship. And, and this is what my prayer is, that we would usher in a culture of significance to the body of Christ. This church, Encounter Church Las Vegas, our message, our heart, the way we live, we don't, 
use people for their gifts? Oh, what do you do? Oh, praise God. Hey, throw them on the worship team, you know? Like we want to see people walk in their gifts, but if their identity is attached to their gift, that's not healthy for them to do. What's healthy for them is to be, then do, just be. And, and this is point number one for a reason, because this is the foundation of being equipped. If the body is going to be healthy, growing and full of love, we've got to just be sons and daughters. Just be before our gifts, talents, and abilities, we're sons. We just, we just belong. It's our identity to be a son. Amen? Now let's read the next verse, 21. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Wow. Jesus is praying that we would be one. John 17, 21, powerful verse. The, the prayer of unity from Jesus, praying for you and I, that we would be unified. Point number two, the mature Christian is equipped to be family. Say that with me. Say, equipped to be family. This is one of the biggest shifts in the church right now that we are unlearning this unrelational corporate business model of doing church. And we're learning to sit at a table and gather as saints. We're learning to, to be relational. We're learning to like uh, just, just be and, and be family. We're family first. Come on. How many know that like the, the hierarchy that we see in the, in the world system and in corporations, that, doesn't, that has no place in the church. It's a family. There's fathers, mothers, sons, daughters. We're family. And this is so important that, that anything, when we talk about the kingdom of God in church, it's got to look like family. I love the part of the gospel where Jesus is teaching and the children run up to him and the disciples are like, whoa, 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 kids, the master's teaching. Leave him alone. And Jesus, I'm paraphrasing, of course, Jesus is like, no, let them come to me and it says that he blessed them. Now, I have this picture in my mind. I imagine them running and sitting in his lap. This is just what I picture. And he blesses them. He prays over them. Now, think about this. Jesus says, no, let them come. It's okay. Let the children come to me. This is what the kingdom looks like. And then he embraces them. It looks like love. It looks like family. God is equipping us just to be family. And this is, this is something that's, that's taking place in the church. This is community. This is church. This is discipleship. It's just being family. Can you say amen? amen. Join together. This is his prayer. So now, uh, let's see, when was this? September of last year. Uh, no, it was October. I don't even remember. What, I don't remember when it was. I was at the beach with my daughter. We're hanging out, beautiful waters, and uh, we're on a family vacation. And my daughter and I are like, my daughter Hannah and I are like, hey, let's go run into the water. And just, let's just run. And we're like, okay. We get up and we run and I'm running. And I probably think I look like some Baywatch dude, but I know I don't. But I just, I keep seeing that image. So I keep running and okay. And, the, and I run and we run. And right as we step into the water, it was crazy, man. We both hyperextended our knees and we fell. Now I have an excuse. I don't know why Hannah did. Hannah's young and in shape, but I'm old 
And, you know, I got a little weak knee thing going on right here. But we, we both were sitting there laughing. How many remember, like, moments, like, when, especially when you're younger, somebody falls and you just laugh at them? Why is it? Why do we laugh at each other when we fall? I used to skate. I was a skateboarder. And, uh, and I remember, like, one of us would fall. And, dude, it didn't matter what happened. We would just point our finger and be like, busted. <laughs> the dude could have like a bone sticking out. It didn't matter. It was funny. I don't know why. So Hannah and I are sitting there. You know when you're in pain and you're laughing, but you kind of want to cry, but you're still laughing? <laughs> and, I'm, and we're sitting there. I don't know why we both hurt our knees too. So th this is perfect analogy for us that God says, I want to join you together. Do you know that one of the reasons people hyperextend their joints and have other symptoms in the body is because of weak ligaments and muscles around the joints? One of the reasons we have issues in the body in community is because we're not allowing the love of God to join us together. Colossians 3.14 says, this is, this is so powerful. Paul, in the whole chapter, is like, I want you to know who you are. You're not this old man who's sinning and doing all this stuff. That's not who you are. You might still do that, but that's because you don't know who you are. So put on the new self. I'm paraphrasing. Read it later. Colossians 3. Then he gets down to the end, and he's, and he, he's telling him, like, these are the characteristics of a believer. This is who you are. You should be compassionate, humble, all these things. But then he says at verse 14, but above all things put on love which is the bond of perfection. Do you know the word bond in the Greek is sundesmos, and it, it literally means the ligament. Love is the ligament that joins the body together. Love is always a passion for reconciliation, restoration, and oneness. And this is the prayer of Jesus, that we would be family, that we would be joined together. One of the other reasons I think my daughter and I both hurt our knees is, this is a good one, we couldn't see below the surface because it was right where the ocean was coming in. And we didn't realize just the way these currents were that the sand wasn't flat there. So there was like these dips in the sand and we couldn't see. One of the reasons we have issues with being joined together is because we don't see below the surface in relationship. We, we just like to stay surface. It's easier that way, <laughs> you know? And we have so many mechanisms that we have learned uh, because we just don't know how to know and be known. And, and like, you know, we'll, we'll just crack jokes all the time. And I'm, talk, I'm preaching myself right now because we want to keep things surface. And it's hard to connect. It's hard to break bread with people. It's hard to, because we don't, and sometimes, listen, I, I'm kind of an introvert. I need to recharge alone. But sometimes the reason we don't want to connect with people is because we're afraid of going below the surface. We're afraid of intimacy. We would rather be, rejected for who we're not than accepted for who we really are. And God's like, I want you to go below the surface. And the prayer of Jesus to equip us to be one is, is that we would be joined together. The very ligaments of love would join us together and we would strengthen those, the connection of the body. I love how Paul uses this analogy in 1 Corinthians 12 in reference to the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know that in every reference to the gifts of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, Paul also references the analogy of the body of Christ being like a, a human body? That's significant because we need to embrace the fullness of the gifts of God. And Jesus is praying, listen, I want you to be Equipped to be family. Come on, somebody. Uh, number three, let's read 
verse 22 and 23. Y'all with me? For the very glory, Jesus is continuing to pray, for the glory you've given me, I have given them, so they will be joined together as one. Now he, he says this again, but then he mentions the glory. What is the glory of God? Moses prayed, show me your glory. And then, and then God says, I'll let my goodness pass before you, but no one can see my face and live. So then he says, go into the rock and I'll pass by. That's symbolic of Christ. We see a revelation of the glory of God in the rock, in Christ. But it's more than that because we even in the, you know, in our modern times, we talk about God is good. Amen, God is good. But goodness is not just something that proceeds from God. God being good is an incomplete revelation of his character. But in the New Testament, we learn that God is love in his very being and essence. God is love is the full revelation of his character that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I want, I want to just touch on this now. What is the glory of God? Because Jesus says, and we're always like, well, I just give you the glory, God. Jesus says, the glory that you've given me, Father, I give to them. What? God gives you his glory? What does that mean? Let's keep reading here. That they would be joined together and experience the same unity that we enjoy. In other words, like, Father, that relationship we have, I want them to just be in this relationship too. And I want them to experience that same union we have with each other. Wow, how in the world? That's a mystery. I don't know how that can happen. I don't even like people sometimes. The Father loves the Son. The Spirit loves the Son. The f- and, and there's just this perfect joy, communion, and union between the triune God. God is love. And he says, the glory you've given me, I've given to them, that they would be joined together. And then he says, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you've sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Man, check this out. God the Father loves you with the same passionate love that he loves Jesus. What? Well, if I could just be good enough. If I go to church and read my Bible and stop that nonsense. Number three, a mature Christian is equipped to be loved. Just let God love you. We're not jockeying for position or trying to get ahead of one another. We're just loved. We're just loved. We go, we're, not, we're willing to go below the surface. But what is this, what is this thing, this this part of this verse that says the glory of God. He's given us his glory. You know what I believe the glory of God is? In order to tell you, I want to talk about John 12 real quick. John 12, Jesus is praying and Jesus is saying, Father, this thing that I'm about to do, go to the cross, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's what I came for. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. Now, when somebody would pray that in the Old Testament, the name of God was the character of God. One way to look at it is he's saying, glorify who you are, your nature, your character, your essence. Father, glorify your name. Then they heard a voice from heaven as Jesus is praying. And the voice says, I have glorified it and I will do it again. And then later on, he says, when I am lifted up, Jesus says, just a couple verses later in John chapter 12, I will draw all men unto me. How many know what he's talking about? The cross. John, in the Gospel of John, the author even says, this is significant to the death he would die. 
Do you know what was revealed at the cross? The most beautiful, divine love we could ever comprehend. The most beautiful, self-giving love. The Father was most glorified at the cross. This is why Paul says, I don't want you to know anything else. Let's just start where we need to start. I want you to know Christ and him crucified. The glory of God is a revelation of his love. Jesus has given you his glory. That's why he says in the same verse, he says, I want them to know that you love them with the same love that you love me. Come on. Number three, again, equipped to be loved. I love this quote from N.T. Wright, great scholar. The climax and purpose of his work, the work of Jesus, was the cross. He goes on to say, listen, in He's talking about this, this context of John 12. In being lifted up, Jesus will draw all people to himself. How could it not be so if indeed his cross is the true revelation of the true God and if what we see in that revelation is the face of love? Wow, that's good stuff. Let's keep reading here. We're gonna read uh, verse 24. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you've given me to be where I am, then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous Father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me, verse 26, I have revealed them I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them. Isn't that such a powerful prayer of Jesus? So that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. These six verses are the prayer of Jesus to equip you and I as believers. The last point is, to be equipped to be where Jesus is. Equipped to be where Jesus is. What does that mean? Well, John starts off his entire book. John, I, I was talking about it last week. Uh, the Gospel of John, I taught out of last week, and we're, we're looking at here in uh, chapter 17, but in verse one, he starts off in his prologue, and he says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. How many are familiar with that verse? How many have ever debated Jehovah's Witnesses with that verse? That's usually like the, you know, that's the deity of Christ, that Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. And so that verse is so profound because John starts off the foundation of the entire gospel with this revelation. Here's the revelation. Paul says the same revelation in Ephesians chapter 2. He says that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, how does that connect to John 1.1? 1, 1? I'll tell you how. When we read in the Bible, in our English translation, the beginning was the word, the word was with God. What does that mean? Jesus was with God in the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, he even said it here, I want them to know that you love me before the creation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was with God. The word with does not mean like I went to the movie theater and sat with my family and my kids. It doesn't mean side by side. Here's what it means. It means face to face. 
Jesus has brought us into a face-to-face relationship with his Father. This changes everything. It changes the way we talk about seeking the face of God. In the old covenant, we sought the face of God. In the new covenant, we've been brought to the face of God. Not by works that we could do, lest anyone should boast, but by the grace and power of God. And by the cross and the, and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension and the session. And now we're seated with Christ, different word with, than in John 1.1. That word with is more like a side-by-side, with. Because we're side-by-side, but we're face-to-face with the Father. I want to be where Jesus is. Where is he? He's sitting face-to-face with his Father. Can I just tell you what's there? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything you're looking for, all the affection, acceptance, affirmation, forgiveness, and love that you'll ever need. Come on. That we look everywhere else for. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. I don't know why I'm singing it. I don't even like country-ish music. Is that country, sort of-ish, country-ish? It's not. Looking for love in all the wrong places, man. We're always looking for someone's gaze. But if we realize what Jesus has accomplished for us, oh my goodness, the Father's looking right at us saying, I love you, you're my beloved son and daughter in whom my soul delights. Come on, it's the Father's love. We are equipped to be where Jesus is. Jesus has accomplished it. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We need to be baptized in that reality. And you know that when we're in the presence of God together, it happens. Everything that I shared with you, just like in Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, it became an army. The ligaments came together. It became an army. How? From the wind of the spirit that Ezekiel was told to prophesy. It's the manifest presence of God that forges us together. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul says you're all baptized in one spirit and you're no longer labeling each other Jew or Greek. Come on. We're no longer seeing black, white, Hispanic, Asian. Come on. We are the people of God together. And this is, I'm going to just close. I didn't plan. I'm going to close with Ephesians 2 in the Passion. This is not in your app, but if you have uh, your Bible app, you can pull it up. This is so profound to me. Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul is giving us this Uh, this revelation that we are a temple together. Now, I'm going to say something. One of the reasons we don't experience the manifest presence of God together is because we don't like each other. Because we don't know how to do relationship. Our hearts aren't connected. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. And we don't like that person that just asked me how I'm doing. Everything's surface. I'm going to keep it real. We're still offended over something from like 20 years ago. Give me a break. Jesus didn't die for you to stay offended. He set us free from that junk and spiritual prejudice and racial prejudice has no place in the church of God. If your church is predominantly black, white, or Hispanic, we need to unlearn that and it should change over time. We should be accepting everybody, and our hearts should be open to all people. There is one race, it's the human race. 
And Paul is saying, enough of this, y'all. He's writing to the church of Ephesus, and there's both Jews and Greeks. And he's saying, listen, don't you realize what has happened in the very incarnation of God, in the body of Jesus, when he was broken on the cross? Don't you realize he made one of the two? The two was the Jew and the Gentile. We, as Gentiles, most of us, who are not a part of the old covenant, have now been brought in and have the same access to the Father by faith. This is why the the Gentiles were like, what in the world? And Romans chapter nine talks about this. He's like, God will have mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. That's not talking about election of one person. That's not Calvinism. That's talking about God can graft in Gentiles and freely give them grace and covenant if he wants to in Christ. The elect one is Jesus. I'm going a little too deep for y'all, but let me just read the text. Ephesians chapter two. We should be experiencing the presence of God together. And when we do, it forges us together. It fitly frames us together. We become the temple of God together. This is why when Jesus says, if two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. In the context, he's talking about not being offended about your brother. And go to them when you're offended. No amens. Thanks, guys. I wouldn't amen either. (laughs) Verse, oh my goodness, this is so good. Ephesians 2, verse 17, in the Passion Translation. For the Messiah has come, I had to say it like that, to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who were near, both Jew and Gentile, same gospel preached to both. And now because we are united to Christ, We both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. It's just bringing it all home, face to face with God. And then he goes on and he says, you are are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of this building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. I want to back up because there was a verse I missed. Verse 15. You ready? This is powerful. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. Sinclair, you remember this? Sinclair and I were talking and he's sharing with me this revelation he gets in the Old Testament that one of the provisions God brought for the temple of Solomon, which is a type and shadow of the New Testament temple, the second temple, one of the, the provisions was through a Gentile leader, a Gentile king. Is that right? And, and he's talking about how we need to have relationships with everybody and not just think if they're an unbeliever, like God can't use them to speak to us. Powerful. Spiritual prejudice. The way we look at unbelievers. And so Sinclair preaches this. I said, Sinclair, Ephesians 2. I'm like, that was an old covenant shadow Because God always had intended to make his new temple with Gentile stones. He used a Gentile leader in the Old Testament 
to bring in the stones that were used to build the temple for Solomon. Solomon kept that relationship. He, kept, he didn't burn that bridge. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion. And we're sitting there in the office like getting just heavy revies, man. You remember that? It has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross, the blood of Jesus. There's no room for racism. There's no room for spiritual prejudice. There's no room for dividing walls. Come on. There's no room for bitterness. There's no room for resentment. There's no room for this ought that we just allow to get into our hearts against one another. We're called to be one. This is the prayer of Jesus. May we be equipped as the body of Christ to be family, to be loved. Come on, to be one together, to be where Jesus is sitting at the face of the Father. Then he goes on, he says this, the legal code that stood condemning everyone, the law, has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Come on, Jews and non-Jews fused together. Wow. Now, like, just let this sink in to where God is taking us, not just as a church, but as, as a people. Even, even in the world, even in the way that we see nations rise against nation. And we're, sometimes we're more loyal to the flag of our nationality than the cross. Uh-oh. And we're still stuck in the old covenant, and we don't even realize, like, there's a place to honor Israel. I'm going to just say it. There's a place to honor Israel. But if we're exalting Israel above every other nation, that's racism. I got to look at my wife when I say things like that. Because depending on her facial expression, I either stop or I keep going. And I'm going to keep going. Guys, the heart of God is for all of humanity. I love Israel. I honor Israel. I love my country. I honor America. I thank God. I pray for the president. I pray, listen, we're called to honor leaders, even if we don't agree with them. But can we get the kingdom reality and the reign of God's love that changes everything, the way we see every human being? Can we see people through the place of being seated with Christ, gazing face to face with the Father? Because staring into those eyes will change the way we see everything. Every one is valuable. Every person. Kevin, come on up here and jump on the keys if you would, bro. Thank you. You're awesome, man. I appreciate you. You're a blessing. You're such a blessing, bro. Man, can we just, like, do, do you realize how much God loves humanity? especially the people that haven't prayed that magical sinner's prayer yet. Oh man, the, his heart beats for the broken. Like he, his heart beats for those that don't know this grace and this love. May God awaken our hearts to be equipped to see the way he sees, to be loved, to be where Jesus is healthy, growing, and full of love, to be sons and daughters, to be family. One of the reasons the world isn't just knocking on the church's door wanting to come in, and I say that metaphorically because the church is not a building, it's a spiritual building, it's people. One of the reasons the, the, the gates are not flung wide open and people are just, man, I want to be a part of church is because we don't look like family yet. We're starting to get there. 
Hello? And I don't mean we, this body. I think we do a really good job. You do a really good job at loving. You, you, I'm so proud of you, man. You, got, you, you make people feel love when they walk in this door. The way that our team, the way that our leaders, the way that, and, and just coming in here, worshiping together, uh, you know, giving one another and greeting one another with a holy embrace. And because in our culture, we don't do holy kisses, right? Well, some of us still do, but <laughs> for your Italian, oh, how you doing? Mwah, glory to God. <laughs> Greet one another with a holy. Listen, we should feel so welcome when we walk in these doors and you do a good job. So when I say that, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying the body of Christ. We're starting to look like family more but one of the reasons we're not seeing like this huge harvest is because they're looking for functional family because they don't have it anywhere else. And they're looking for a refuge. May we become a refuge where the presence of God dwells, where people can come and be healed and made whole and love right where they're at. Love right where they're at. Well, they have to clean their lives up. Well, they're still living in homosexuality. Well, they'll do this. Well, listen, love them where they're at and they'll become who they're created to be. Well, that's just affirming their sin. No, it's not. It's accepting them right where they're at. And guess what? God will transform them. The Holy Spirit will transform them. People become more aware that, wait a minute, this isn't who I am. Oh man, if we could just love well, if we could just love well, my spiritual father says, he believes that's the number one thing the church needs to learn is just how to love better. Just love. Don't hold their sins against them. Love them right where they're at. God didn't hold your sins against you. We've been forgiven of a great debt and we don't want to forgive our brother or sister or the unbeliever of these $20 that he owes us, but we've been forgiven of millions. It's the parable that Jesus gives us. Jesus, have mercy. May we have the heart of God for humanity and let there be no more room for dividing walls. When we have ought against one another, just let it go. Just, I'm sorry. If I offended you, I'm sorry. You offended me and I forgave you, so forgive me. Let's not be offended. Let's, let's be edified. Let's edify one another. Let's love one another. Come on, are you with me this morning? Can we just thank God for what he's doing? He's equipping his body. There's a new wineskin forming. Come on, a new church is rising up, an unoffendable church, a church that does not feast on gossip, but on the goodness of God. Come on, a church that hears the voice of the Father for humanity, a church that will not allow spiritual prejudice or prejudice or racism at all in the name of Jesus. And there's a bridge being built in the churches in this city. There's bridges being built. And I'm so honored to be a part of the bridge building and the relationship building. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest moves of God that we have yet to see is going to be so multicultural. So multicultural. That's what happened in Azusa Street. It was unheard of that... African-Americans and Caucasians were worshiping in the same church. And in Azusa Street, marked by the presence of God, none of that mattered. And they love one another. And William Seymour, oh, I love that man. One day I'll meet him in heaven. He had such a fire and a desire for the presence of God. You read the writings that James Bartleman wrote about William Seymour. There's a book called Azusa Street. There's a lot of different ones, but I love that, the one called Azusa Street by James Bartleman. And William Seymour, 
an old black preacher, I believe he was Presbyterian, seized with the love in the heart of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was blind in one eye and he ushered in a powerful, hear me, are y'all with me? He ushered in a move of God that impacted to this day, there are like 700 million charismatic Christians and they can find their roots in modern day Pentecost at the Azusa Street Revival. The second largest subgroup in Christianity is charismatic Christians. It even affected the Catholic Church in 1967. All these Catholics are like doing the sign of the cross and then the Holy Ghost. The Pope's like, man, that's pretty cool. Let's embrace it. Evangelism. Now there's literally like 150 million charismatic Catholics. What? They're still doing some weird stuff, but they, they got the Holy Ghost. Come on. Father, give us your heart. Lift your hands with me right now. Come on. Man, I feel like I could preach. I'm not going to keep preaching, though. We're going we're gonna to let you go. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I love your people. I love what you're doing in our church and in the body of Christ. We say yes. We embrace what you're doing. We, we want to be equipped. We need to be equipped, God. So equip us to be sons and daughters. Equip us to be family. Equip us to be loved. Equip us to be where Jesus is, seating, sitting at the, the face of the Father, sitting face to face with the Father. We say yes to you right now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. I pray right now that just a wave and a baptism of the love and the significance of Papa would come over all of your sons and your daughters. I declare over your daughters, you are daddy's girl. I declare over your sons, I'm so proud of you. I release that now. And I thank you that we're becoming more and more glorious as your saints and your community of people. We say yes in the name of Jesus. Would you just seal it with thanks and praise right now? Come on. Hallelujah. Can we quickly have our prayer team come up? Come on. If you need prayer for anything right before we dismiss, you need to know we have a prayer team up here. If you want to receive Jesus, recommit your life. If you want to continue to receive what God's doing in you through this message and through the service, please come. If it's your first time, we have something for you back at our engage banner. Please stop by. Um, and we want to connect with you. If you're looking for a church, you found one. Come on, welcome home. You belong before you believe, before you sat in that chair. We just receive you and we love you. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. You may be dismissed.